people today chasing God, chasing God. I don't really know when this started, but it seems like, I don't know, oh, maybe back in 2007, 2008, it seems like when summer starts rolling around, I'm always reminded to try to be encouraging. Um, if you don't already realize this about preachers, I'm sure that you do. What preachers usually are really good at is taking things that they feel guilty about and try to make you feel guilty about them. Have you learned that yet? Um, so what we need to do also is be mindful of how to lift each other up. And what I want you to see today, there's some really wonderful truths in this passage that if you let the Lord speak to your heart, they will encourage you even in difficulty and even in, in difficult times. So let's look together in Isaiah chapter 55. And we're just going to start with verse 6 and 7. Then we'll go back track and we'll make our way through this really great chapter Isaiah chapter 55, he says in verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon that's enough right there to just chew on. If you would let that soak in your heart today, God says, come back to me and I will grant you mercy and I will give you pardon. Have you guys ever heard of somebody by the name of Tom Brady? Around here it's like, ugh, right? In Indianapolis, one of their vile enemies is the Patriots, right? And Mr. Brady has been what, like something like six Super Bowls now. Uh, this is a quick story, but it's interesting. In 2005, this is only after he'd won three Super Bowls, he was interviewed by 60-minute journalist Steve Croft. And despite even then the fame and the career accomplishments he had already achieved, he told Croft that it felt like something was still lacking in his life. <laughs> Isn't that interesting, right? I mean, think of his stage. Um, he has so much influence. He has so much wealth. He has a lot of power with that wealth and that influence. He has physically accomplished great things, still looking to do even great things. This was before he was the 40-year-old man doing what he was doing. And he still recognized that something was missing. He said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it's all about. You reached your goal, your dream, your life. But me, I think it's got to be more than this. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? For most people, that would be the pinnacle of everything, right? Whoever wins today, I was listening to different people um, on uh, Heroes of the 500 this week as I was coming back, when you were coming back from Illinois yesterday. And some of the drivers, their whole life was wrapped up. That if they could just win that race one time, that would mean everything to them. That was their purpose. And again, it's a good reminder that here's somebody who made it that far and then recognized that, you know what? There's still something else there. He goes, this can't be it. It's, it's not all it's cracked up to be. I thought that was interesting. So Croft, the interviewer, pressed Brady as to what the right answer was, and he added this. Well, what's the answer? I wish I knew. I love to play football, and I love being quarterback. But at the same time, I think there are a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. All right? When will you have arrived? 
What are you chasing? Are you chasing a condo in Florida with um, a little boat on the beach? My uh, brother and sister-in-law, they got to have a week at a condo this last week, and they were right on the beach. They just walked out to the beach and came in when they wanted to, and they had a great time. Is that your goal in life, that you'll be able to retire at 55 or 62 or 67 and go to Florida and then just take it easy? What are you chasing? Is there some way up the ladder? So like for me, I could say, well, I started as this lowly tech person, and then I got to be a coordinator, and then I got to be a district person, and then I moved my way up to the assistant, and maybe I should make my way to the director. Is that the end of it? Is that where I'm striving? I'm going to tell you right now, it's not. <laughs> I'm very happy where I'm at. But some people, that's what it is, right? I'm going to make my way, whether and it can be in a lot of things, right? Whatever your organization is, I've got to make my way to the top of the organization. What are you chasing? Uh, do you ever chase things? Uh, right now, Brooklyn, and her phone isn't doing like what she wants it to, so she's like, oh, I've got to get a new phone. Well, which one are you going to get? Do you need to get the $3,000 model? Phones are ridiculous nowadays, right? Isaiah and I, our little boat is having all kinds of issues, so I'm looking at kayaks. Well, maybe I need to get the right kayak. What are you chasing? Relationally, what are you chasing today, right? Well, if I could just have this worked out, if I can have my kids all around me, my little chicks around me, right? Wendy's family, her grandpa was famous for that. He wanted everybody close by. He didn't like people moving away. He wanted everybody near so he could make sure they're all okay. If I can have that, I'll be okay. What are you chasing today? I bet you most of us today are chasing something. And sometimes I want to remind you today is what we most need to chase most of all is the Lord. Does that concept, does it kind of ring true with you? Do you understand what I'm saying today? What are you pursuing? How does it display itself? If I'm pursuing, this is a quick example off the top here, but if I'm pursuing a kayak, how does it show itself? Well, I'm spending time watching YouTube and I'm researching and I'm trying to learn and find out and figure out what all the accessories I need and how that's going to work, right? And then I'm going to try to adjust my budget to figure out, okay, how can I set aside, save this much money? Maybe I can sell this or sell that so that I can hopefully someday acquire this. And then I got to figure out how I'm going to adjust my calendar, right? So I can make sure that I have time to go and try out this thing that I really want. If I'm chasing that, I'm adjusting my life to pursue it, to have what I desire. Is everybody track with that? Okay. What does chasing the Lord look like then? Well, Am I filling my mind with things about the Lord? Am I studying the scripture? Am I spending time in prayer? Am I looking in places where I can learn more about him that I can know him better? Right? Am I setting aside my resources so that I can make sure I have those to give to the Lord? For me right now, a lot of that is with India. It's like, okay, I've got to make some time to try to help get things prepared so I can share information about my friend Sindhu so I can go to churches and tell them about what God is doing I've got to set aside some things. I've got to change my calendar. I've got to change my budget a little bit. What are you chasing today? And I'm going to challenge you to chase the Lord. And in the end, his renown and your joy will be the result. You got, I don't think you heard me. You're not paying attention. If you get this, you can go to sleep for the rest of the day, okay? 
This is, this is the passage we're going to see today. This is what your preacher always says. I pray that, that God's name would be hallowed and you'd be filled with great joy. How many times have I ever said that, right? <laughs> Greg's only been here a few weeks. He's probably already heard it 20 times, right? Okay. God's name would be hallowed. You'd be filled with great joy. This passage, at the end of this passage today, what you're going to see is the purpose of these things is for the Lord's renown, for his fame, for his glory. And in the context of the scripture, it says, and you'll be filled with joy. Right? This is one of those passages that reveals that truth. Today, are you chasing after the Lord's renown? Are you chasing his glory? Are you chasing for his name? If you do, the joy you're looking for, you will find. We'll start in verse 1 today. First thought, we want to go have some just simple words to keep us, as we move our way through this passage, the first one is come. Come. And again, our Sunday school lesson was so good that this invitation was to everyone. There's exclusivity in the gospel. It only goes through Jesus, but the invitation is inclusive. Everyone's invited. And here we see that even in Isaiah, in the Old Testament, 700 years before Christ, we see the invitation is come. Look in verse 1. Isaiah writes, he says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? Well, that's good. And your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Do you hear the invitation? Right? Come. That's the invitation we need to be sharing with the people that we love and know in our world. The invitation is come, come. God invites us to come. We don't need a ticket to get in, right? Yeah, there's, it's hard to believe. There's going to be 300,000 people there today and you still need a ticket. <laughs> there's, there's no traffic jams in this line today, right? They're shutting down whole parts of the city today. But for this line here, there's no wait. The invitation is come, come you who are thirsty, Everything else leaves you wanting the real thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? You ever wanted the real thing? I'm not talking about Coca-Cola, right? For you old folks out there, you probably know that, right? The real thing. You ever wanted the real thing? I remember in Memphis, and we were uh, in seminary. David Outlaw and I were there. And probably doesn't get much poorer than we were poor for seminary people, right? We were living inside the loop of Memphis. Memphis, our, uh, I think our rent was like 215 or 235 a month. <laughs> and we were living in the houses that probably, that's about what they were, should go for. <laughs> it was rough. And we would go buy things and we would share lunches together. And there were two things that we learned that you really could never skimp on. And one of those was we tried to do Hydrox cookies that were the fake Oreo cookies. Have you ever tried those? They were terrible. And we tried the super cheap hot dogs. <laughs> all right. Some of you can't stand hot dogs at all to begin with, but Oscar Mayer, like, you can, I can deal with those. They're all right. I can handle that, and I can handle Oreos. And whenever we would have those Hydroxes, we'd like, it would make us hungry for the real thing, Okay. There's a lot of things in this world are like that. They're kind of like a Hydrox cookie, aren't they? They're like a temporary fix. Get a new phone. Does it feel good? 
Get a new car. Does it feel good? Come on, guys. Back in the day when you finally got that car you were after, my dad was that way. We were talking about stuff this weekend. Like my mom had a Camaro. My dad had a Corvette. How did they be, how were they so rich? And I was never like that. I don't understand. Why did that work that way, right? There's those fixes. You get those things and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this was so good. So nice, right? But it's temporary and it leaves you hungry for the real thing. And we see that same idea here, even in verse two, he says, why do you spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? How many of you spent money on things that don't satisfy? <laughs> right? I was looking so forward. We were staying in a hotel on Friday night, Saturday to be at my niece's graduation and we were gonna have free breakfast. And usually at this hotel, when we have free breakfast, I mean, they put out a spread, and it is amazing. And it was not Saturday morning, <laughs> right? Why do you spend your money on things that do not satisfy? Why do you spend your time and your life on things that don't matter? This is the point. Put your purpose, your energy on the things that really matter. And I love the truth here that we even see back again in verse 1. You who have no money... Do you need money to know the Lord? Do you need influence or wealth or fame to know Jesus? The invitation is come. Everyone come. You who have no money, what can you do? What's he say? You can buy. No money and you can buy. How does this work? Do you like God's economy? This is awesome, isn't it? <laughs> you have no money, but you can buy. What do you get to buy? Do you get to buy the Hydrox cookies and the cheap hot dogs? No, you get to buy the wine. You get to buy the milk. You get to be supplied with the richest affair. You get to sit at the feasting table with no money. That's the gospel. And that's what we got to share with the people that we love. You keep trying to buy your way into God's grace. You can't do it. He said, come. He said, come. Quit spending all your stuff on things that, do, that don't matter and come and, and buy with no money the things that are so valuable. Jesus paid it all. Our part is to come to him. And let me say this so clearly today. Every day. Every day come. I don't think you're hearing me today. <laughs> Every day come. Most of us, we can point to a time, maybe we were a Baptist baptized in a baptistry or we were baptized out in a pond or we made a prayer down at an old altar or during a revival or at a little camp or you know in a junior church setting and those were wonderful things but the invitation here is to come and we need to come every day because we need God's grace every day don't forget that this morning God invites the poor he invites the empty to come and to be filled he invites the hungry to come and to eat Quit laboring on things that don't satisfy. If you will, God is offering you the T-bone steak of meaning and significance and satisfaction. Chase him and you will delight in the richest affair. Come. You've got to figure that out for you today. Where the Lord is inviting you to come, where are you going to meet him? You're meeting him here today. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for meeting the Lord here today. Thank you for meeting the Lord in Sunday school. Hopefully some of you, Lord willing, will be able to meet the Lord as we're handing out stuff to the homeless today. But you're going to meet the Lord in a lot of places. You may meet him uh, in your neighborhood or at your workplace. You may meet him when you're tucking your kids in at night. You may meet him as you're doing the dishes of all things. 
But the Lord's inviting, and you need to be listening, and you need to come. That's the second thing this morning. We want to listen. Look down at verse 3. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I've made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God. And Isaiah, this is what he says all throughout his book, the Holy One of Israel. That's how he calls the Lord. For he has endowed you with splendor. We saw in the end of the first paragraph, you see it here again, give ear and come to me. God invites us to chase him, to hear and to heed. Do you know the difference between hearing and heeding? And my mom would say, Travis, come on in. And I would hear her and I'd be like, yeah, I want to shoot some more jump shots. Right? Your kids don't have that problem, though, I'm sure, right? When you say come, they come, right? <laughs> right? Heeding is obeying. And that's what the Lord is telling us here today. Not, not is he just saying, hear what I say, but he's saying, obey what I say. Do what I ask of you to do. Hearing is more than listening. It is obeying. God's promise, his covenant of grace is made with us through his servant. And Isaiah will name him as the suffering servant. We would call him Messiah. In the New Testament, we name him Jesus. And what we saw so clearly this morning is Jesus is to be chased because he is the way to God. Let's be as clear as we can be, all right? You guys, be that way with your neighbors, be that way with your coworkers, be that way with your family members. Don't be rude, don't be impolite, don't be judgmental, but also be very clear. Don't muddy the waters. Jesus is the way to God. If you want to chase God, you're going to chase after knowing and serving and loving Jesus, even as we sing in our worship today. Just think even today, how many cultures have been changed and now know the love of God and seek him through his son. All of the nations here, the scripture says, would come and surrender and submit to Christ. And that has been happening even as we have invaded or been on the planet these 2,000 years. He truly is full of splendor. So what I ask you this morning, again, I hope the Lord would ask you this morning, what do you treasure most? What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? Seek ye first, what? The kingdom, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Okay, that's, they go together. Are you hearing this message today? There is a heeding, there is an obeying that follows a seeking. It's not just enough to say, oh, I'm broken and I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm a mess and that's how I am. Yeah, you are. We all are, right? But the difference between us and the people sitting in the bar at Cheers is that we are chasing we're asking God to change and to mold and to shape us. And we are holding each other accountable in that. Hey, sister, I'm a little concerned about you. I've been praying for you. Hey, brother, I'm a little nervous the direction you've been headed. Come back this way. How can I lift you up? What can I do to help you, right? There is a difference there in this chasing. There is a, a change that should accompany this chasing. We need to treasure more than anything. And please pray for your pastor to do this so much. We need to treasure Christ most of all. Seek you first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then what's the promise? Then all these things will be added unto you, right? I know you're worried about all these things because your preacher gets worried about all these things. 
How am I going to pay my refrigerator broke? I'm going to get a new refrigerator, right? The microwave's not working. Uh, I got to make all these trips and travels and uh, this piece isn't working and I need to maintain this and we got ants crawling on the counter. And <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? You do, right? I know some of you do because you've shared your stories. It's like, I cannot take one more thing. And what the Lord quietly says to us is chase after me, treasure me, value me. I'll take care of all these things. Hear the Lord today, okay? This is not penology there. Seek first the kingdom, and the Lord will take care of the things that need to be taken care of. What are you chasing? All right, seek. So come, listen. Next imperative there, verse uh, 6, is seek, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will freely pardon I love how this time the invitation is turned into come, and now it is seek, pursue, chase, right? The Lord is telling us, do this. Look for him. Hunt after him. Now, here's what challenges me, and I hope that you guys will hear me this morning. You test this with the scriptures, but I think this holds true. He says, seek him while he what? While he may be found, while he can be found. What does that imply? There may be some time where you can't find the Lord. Now, we say this in the, and it's in the right heart and the right mode. We always say, you know, well, God will forgive you for whatever you've done. And that is true. But there could be a time where God draws and he convicts and he pulls you and you resist him. And there may be a time then where he stops drawing and convicting and pulling. Read Romans chapter 1. The Lord gave them over. The Lord gave them over. The third refrain, the Lord gave them over. This is what your preacher believes the scripture teaches is that there is a time to seek the Lord, right? If you forsake that opportunity, you may miss him. Seek the Lord. Uh, Old famous preacher Adrian Rogers, he told the story of a man who on a Saturday evening was debating about giving his life to Christ. And the person that was witnessing felt pressed to continue until either this man gave in or the man pushed him out the door. 2 Corinthians 6.1 says this, As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you now, now is the time of God's favor. And now is the day of salvation. It turned out that that man accepted Christ on that Saturday evening. And he had a heart attack on Sunday and he passed away. God's timing is not our timing. Hear me out today. And this goes with any Christian directive from the Lord, right? If the Lord is asking you to share the gospel with some today, do it today. If that's what he's telling you, do it today. If God is telling you that you need to go to India, you better go to India when he says. (laughs) If he says go to South Africa, you better go. If God says you better go downtown and hand out some hot dogs, (laughs) you better go and do what he says to do, right? Again, now don't let me be the one that... I'm not a Lord to direct your path. I don't know what he's telling you. But as he tells you, you better obey. And you better obey in the now. Because you may miss out on the opportunity. Again, verse 7, we see seeking the Lord means forsaking ourselves. It is definitely a turning, just like repentance is 180 degrees. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. And the Lord always convicts me of this. Do you hate evil? Can you hate things today? right? Not in the workplace, can you? 
You can't even use the word hate. Use the word hate, you're going to be in trouble. Oh, no, we couldn't do that, especially in the classroom, right? (laughs) Can you hate anything? What does the scripture say? To seek the Lord is to hate evil. They go together. I'm going to go on today, but I'm going to let you kind of digest that a little bit, all right? Let the Lord speak to your heart. Is there some evil in your life that you're tolerating that you should be hating? Let the Lord challenge you on that area and that thought. Now, again, that's the hard part. The great part is this, this wonderful, wonderful truth at the end of verse 7. <laughs> Let him turn to the Lord and what will happen? This is so good. Come to the Lord. What's he going to do? He says, I have mercy for you. Come to me. I've got mercy. Oh, and to our God. And what's, his, what's available? Free pardon. A pardon that was purchased with the blood of Christ. That's what ava- it's available to anyone who would turn from their sin and seek the Lord. Again, I remind you, this is not just a one time I got in the dipped in the pool type thing. This is a daily turning to God and seeking him and, and hating evil and turning from evil. All right. Back to the issue here of timing. Look in verse 8, if you would. We see that God's ways are higher. He says in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If you think you're going to serve God on your timetable, you are sadly mistaken. And God will wake you up to that truth. If we don't seek him, we may end up wasting our money on stuff that is not bread and wasting our labor on stuff that doesn't satisfy. You guys, today, I don't have an understanding of suffering. I'm going to tell you this so clear. It's always just hard to me. I don't understand why little kids have to face chemotherapy. I don't understand why some people are so blessed and some people have so little and they even struggle to eat. But in prosperity or in suffering, I must trust him because he is in heaven and I am in earth and his ways are higher than mine. And in the big picture, I know, and I've seen him do it throughout history, I know he'll put it together. And we'll see this in just a moment. Look down at verse 10. Again, see how God's word is effective. In his ways, as they are higher, they do show themselves to bear fruit. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not, what does it say? It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word comes from higher places in higher ways. It is sent to us that we might flourish in it, and it will not return empty. Hear the word of the Lord today. God's words are not going to come back void. What does that mean? That means when you share the gospel with someone, and that living word begins to speak. We've been doing Romans Road. You know, we did that for a couple months, right? Please share out the words of God. As you share out the words of God, that living word will penetrate the heart and it will convict and it will cut. And someone will either respond and receive it or they will reject it and they'll turn away from it. But here's the truth about that word. That word will either justify them or it will condemn them. But it does not return void. Have you thought about that? Sometimes you feel like that. You're throwing out the words of God and they're just not doing anything, right? Oh, but they are. They are convicting and many times they're drawing, but sometimes they are condemning. Because God will use those words to say, 
I gave you an opportunity. I told you what was truth. I pursued you. I chased after you, but you would not forsake your sin. God's ways are higher, and his word does not return void. It is effective. First Peter chapter 1, 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply and from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. It's not just dead letters on a page, right? <laughs> living and enduring word of God. It is Christ in you. All men are like grass. All their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade. But what about the word of the Lord? It stands forever. And by the way, he says, this is the word that was preached to you. Today, what work is God's word doing in your life? Well, you're here. That's good. But I hope that this isn't the only part of your diet. How many of you only eat on Sundays? Here would be a good challenge. You could only eat or drink whenever you read the scripture. Michael, we might put that in our book somewhere. What do you think about that? No breakfast for you today until you've touched the word of God. No, no water, no Pepsi, no Coke, no Dr. Pepper until you've prayed. How many of you would starve? This may be the brand new weight loss plan. We may have figured it out for everyone, right? No, please no, right? We don't have any problem feeding ourselves three, four, five, six times a day. Do you do that with the word of God? How is the word of God going to have a work in you if you don't let it penetrate your life? Amen? Come on, people. Dig after it. Chase after it. And I know most of you are. Encourage the people in your life that are on the fringes how important it is to let God's work, his word, do a work in them. And the only way it's going to do a work in them is if they put themselves around his word. That's the good truth today. Hear and heed the words of the Lord. All right, let's finish up today. Joy, I told you we would get here, right? Joy, verse 12. This is a wonderful song, wonderful praise hymn in different places. Uh, Isaiah writes, he says, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. Look at this. The mountains and the hills were burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for his glory, for the hallowing of his name, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. You will go out in joy. This is what is coming. Those who seek the Lord will find him. Boy, that's good. <laughs> you chase after me, I'll show up. You come to me, I will find you. You will find joy. You will find peace. Anybody looking for any joy or peace? I know some people that are not even in our room today. We're praying for that God will provide peace. Praise the Lord and pray for them that they will seek the Lord and that they will find joy and peace. The trees will be clapping. The mountains and the hills burst into singing. What does that look like? Right? I don't know if that is literal or figurative. <laughs> If you guys have ever watched uh, any of the Narnia stuff, you will see the trees actually clapping, right? Uh, I don't know if it'll be like that or not. But you guys, even in a beautiful springtime when everything begins to come to life, you can see all of creation singing the praises of the Lord, right? 
And here you see this idea that the joy that's going to come, that those that pursue the Lord. This is a picture of people who are being used by God. Myrtle itself was used for its pleasant fragrance and its fruit. And instead of wicked briars, God will be growing fruitful plants and trees. Now hear me out this morning. This is really key, I think, to this passage. We'll blame Eve first, right? Or maybe we should blame the snake. Do you blame snake or blame Eve? We don't blame Adam though, right, Todd? It was at least the woman's fault or the devil's fault. It wasn't the man's fault, right? What happened after that? We were cursed, weren't we, right? The woman would be cursed in childbearing and her desire would be for her husband. That's what Moses writes in Genesis. What about the man, though? What about all of us as mankind? There would be thorns and briars and we would have to labor to get anything from the ground, wouldn't we? Did you catch this passage? Verse 13, instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree, and instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. If you study the book of Isaiah, what I think you're seeing here, this is a reference to that coming kingdom, to the truth of heaven, where there is no more sin, there is no more curse, and God's going to make it all like it was supposed to be. It's for his renown and for our joy. Okay, Come, listen, seek See the effectiveness of our God. This sign, this remnant, this people who seeks after God, they will not be destroyed. There will always be a people seeking after the one true God. The church is glorious and it will not be destroyed. All right, let me close with this final illustration here today. Then I'll have you come together and pray. Heidi Baker ministers to the poor in Mozambique. And she writes about a vision that she had one day. She said, I saw the wedding feast of the lamb and there were huge, long tables laid out with the most beautiful food I had ever seen. And I heard the Lord say, wake up, church. Wake up, church. The feast is about to begin. The poor have not yet been called and my house is not yet full. I want my house to be full. Then I saw the Lord Jesus dance on the garbage dump of all things. And I was with him. And as he called, the children and the youth began to follow and to dance with us. And together, Jesus and I would stop and touch them. And their bloated bellies would become flat. And their infected wounds would be healed. Their hair, turned brown by malnutrition, would become black and shiny. And he put beautiful garments of purple and blue and gold and silver on them. And he led them out of the dump and into the wedding feast. And he said, you sit in the front. And the hungry children from the garbage dump sat at the head of the table. She said, I've worked in the garbage dump ever since. And many hundreds of children and young people have met the Lord and are being fed physical and spiritual bread. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Who's going to be at the head of the table at the wedding feast of the Lamb? It's probably not going to be the who's who's of celebrities. Probably not going to be you and me either. I'll just be glad to be there. There's going to be some people who have suffered and hurt and who have prayed and who have humbled themselves that God is going to honor in front of everyone because they are chasing after him. Let's stand this morning. Maybe today you're like the little child who is hungry and poor and you're starving for God. And God is calling you to seek him. 
Maybe today you're like Heidi and God has given you a burden to encourage others to seek him so that they eventually can sit down at the table and eat and drink and be satisfied. God is calling today and he's calling you. Are you coming and listening and seeking? And he's calling those that are in your life. And as we even talked in our Sunday school class this morning, are you sharing the truth of Christ with the people that you love the most? Make sure they know the truth of the gospel. All right, let's pray together this morning. I'll go and play, and as the Lord prompts you, you obey and pray for those that you care about. If you need to pray for yourself today or you need someone to pray with you, feel free to grab a hand of somebody and pray together with them this day.